Hello, and welcome to the Harvest Podcast brought to you by The Field in Charlotte, North Carolina. Here at The Field, we put love into action. We hope you are blessed by these previous sermons by Reverend Dr. Peter M. Wary. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on whichever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church and Instagram at The Field CLT. Family, I'm so glad to be with you on this Sunday, worshiping with you virtually in the virtual sanctuary. Before we get into our text, I wanna thank you on behalf of my family and I for all the calls, the prayers, at the passing of my father. It's hard, we're still struggling, but God is good. Our text today will come from the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter seven, verses nine through 15. And I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, Judges chapter seven, verses nine through 15. And it reads, that same night, the Lord said to him, get up, attack the camp, for I have given it into your hands. But if you fear to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Porah, and you shall hear what they say. And afterwards, your hands shall be strengthened to attack the camp. Then he went down with his servant, Puah to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley as thick as locusts and their camels were without number, countless as the sands on the seashore. When Gideon arrived, there was a man telling a dream to his comrade. He said, I had a dream and in it a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell. It turned upside down and the tent collapsed. And his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hands, God has given Midian and all the armies. When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, get up. For the Lord has given the army of Midian into your hands. For the time that is allotted to me, I want to come from the subject, afraid to trust God. Afraid to trust God. Let's bow. To the God of my ancestors, I say thank you. Lord, it is preaching time. So God, I just ask you to be consistent with your word, coming to your servant, so that your word will be edifying to your people, bring you glory and terrify the enemy. We say all this in your awesome power through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and at that name. And at the name of Jesus, we say, amen. 
Trust is defined by Webster's Dictionary as a shared reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something, one in which confidence is placed. For a lot of us, trust is found first in our parents. We entrust them to feed us and to change us and to help us go to sleep and to comfort and nurture us in the early years of life. But as we get older, we develop trust in other things. I remember as a child, let me be honest, I remember as an adult watching Power Rangers that when I see the Rangers lose, I trust in the power of the Rangers given to them by Zordon in order for them to move forward, defeat their enemy, and save the day. I place my trust in teachers that have the objective of teaching me for purely and solely based on educating me to be the best student and functioning human possible. But as I got older, I began to further my trust into other things. I placed my trust in my family. I placed trust in my friends. And I even placed trust in my wife. I also wouldn't be, would be lying if I didn't believe that as much as I trusted them, they also trusted me. But even when we don't have to trust them at times, and even though we don't feel like it and don't always do it, to a certain level of extent, we have trust in our local, our state, and our federal government. We trust that those that we have elected in these positions will keep our best interests in heart and advocate for those interests. But when all else fails, I know that there is one person that I can place my trust in. I can always trust in God, or can I? Because if I'm being honest with you today that despite that experience, there are times when trusting God is not only hard, but we may be even afraid to trust God. And I know I'm not out here by myself. We find ourselves in situations where we trust God for one thing and it results in something else. We trust God for love and end up with heartache. We trust God for finances and end up in poverty. We trust God for peace and end up in chaos. We trust God for hope and we end up drowning in hopelessness. We trust God for bodily healing, but all we get is death. It's hard to trust God, y'all. It's, it's hard to trust God when people are still fighting for their right to exist. It's, it's hard to trust God when politicians would rather protect their guns than protect children at schools. It's hard to trust God, y'all, when some of those same politicians are in bed with some of these pastors and preachers, and together they spew this hatred rhetoric in churches and on Capitol Hill. I'm saying this, y'all, to say that it's hard. It's hard to trust God when times when God doesn't seem trustworthy. Has anyone been there? Has anyone been at a place where God isn't looking very trustworthy, where the weight of life is greater than your trust in God? This brings us to our text here. The, the book of Judges is a book of continuous cycle. Israel sins. God allows their enemies to oppress them. Israel repents. God hears their cries and sends a messenger called a judge. 
The judge frees Israel from their oppressors and bring about peace. And they do all of this only for God's people to stray away once more, and then the cycle begins again. We have encountered several judges before this one, but now God has called Gideon. Gideon's story of uncertainty in chapter 6, but it eventually relents and he becomes God's judge. But despite his surrendering, Gideon's story is littered with constant reminders and assurances from God that one, he is up to the task, and that two, God will be with him. At this point, God Gideon has asked for sign after sign after sign after sign from God to show him that this is actually God. You see, God wets a fleece with the morning dew, but the ground stays dry. When God, when he asks God to keep the fleece dry while the ground is wet, then God sends the angel of the Lord to Gideon to tell him that this is God. Then God does something peculiar. Gideon has amassed this formidable army of 30, 32,000 warriors, only for God to dwindle this army down from 32,000 to a mere 300. I imagine Gideon was struggling to trust God or even afraid to trust God after this, but God commands Gideon to get up because God has given Gideon victory over his enemies. God, knowing Gideon is afraid, tells him to take his servant Pua and go into the enemy's territory to receive the report of the Lord. Gideon overhears this dream and this interpretation of a dream, and the result is Gideon responding to God in worship from what he hears. Then he goes back to the 300 and commands them the same way that God commanded him, get up. For God has given us the victory. Beloved, Gideon's story shows us that we will be afraid to trust God sometimes, especially with astronomical problems mounting up. Gideon's story shows us that even in some cases, it may be God who seemingly makes matters worse. But be encouraged, family, because Gideon's story also tells us that when we are afraid to trust God, God will use unconventional methods to prove that God can, we can indeed trust God in spite of our fear. Gideon's story is a testament that to know that even when it's fearful to trust God, God can still show us that we can in fact trust him. God is showing us through Gideon that sometimes it requires an unorthodox approach to substitute our mistrusting God into bold face, chest broadened, shoulders back, flat footed, ten toes down, trust in God. So, if God operates in the unconventional to show us that we can be afraid but still trust God, what are the methods in which God uses to show us this? Well, first, God will use an unlikely command. We see in verse 10a that God tells Gideon, if you are afraid, go into the enemy's camp with your servant Puah. After God declares victory in verse 9, God gives a command with the prerequisite being, if you are afraid. God knows 
that Gideon is afraid, and God meets Gideon exactly where he is in his fear. You see, God knew that Gideon was afraid to go into battle, and you see this since God would have had to, wouldn't have to tell you that he wasn't afraid. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who acknowledges our fears and concerns, who will let us be our authentic selves in that moment, even when it's not in alignment with God's plan? I imagine Gideon saying right now, why is God asking me to do this? God knows I'm scared. God knows I don't want to do this. I asked him for sign after sign after sign to prove that he is God. But now that God has commanded me to go here, I don't want to do it. I am scared. While some of us don't want to admit it, many of us have been in that space or are even in that space right now, wondering how can we trust God when God isn't making sense in our lives. We but, we but we won't say it out loud though. We won't say it out loud. Because the reality is many of us have been conditioned, I mean I mean taught not to question God, not to talk back to God. We must have reverence for God and not question what God does. For as the scriptures say, God's ways are not our ways and and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. But I remember something my father said that blessed me. He said, if you can't bring your all to God, your all being your good and your bad, your happy and sad, your ups and downs, your lefts and rights, your fronts and backs, if you can't bring all of who you are before the throne of God, then you have no business worshiping that God. It is in our reverence for God that we can bring our fears to God. If I can't bring to God, all of who I am, then I may as well give up because no one else can handle this weight but God. God tells Gideon, I know you're afraid, but I need you to go into the enemy's camp. I need you to go to the very source of your fear in order to be blessed. I believe God is using what we call today cognitive behavioral therapy on Gideon. You see, God is using small incremental moments of fear within Gideon's story to prepare him for this big moment of high anxiety and fear. God is using Gideon's fear to go into the enemy's camp in order to bless him with the power, but most importantly, the trust that he needs to complete the task. This reminds me of a scene from Christopher Nolan's 2005 movie, Batman Begins. If you don't know, I'm a big Batman fan. I love all things Batman. We're not gonna go into that. That's another sermon for another time. But in this movie, Bruce Wayne falls into a well and is attacked by bats. And this results in Bruce having a, a fear of bats. And it's actually this fear of bats that thrusts his family into Crime Alley, changing the trajectory of his life. It was this fear that he has to work through while training with the Legion of Shadows. And it's the same fear that he uses as a symbol to protect people and to help his enemies share in his dread. 
You see, God may use an unlikely command in our lives. God may command us to go to the place of problem instead of a way out of the problem. God may push us into something that may be the source of the entire situation. But just like Bruce, God has the capacity to mess up the equilibrium of the source to the point where our enemies are watching us while we are eating at God's table. We don't have to like where God has taken us. We can scream, we can fight, we can kick, but know that it is God that has commanded it. And I'm so glad to report that God still moves even when we don't like where God has taken us. We can still trust God while at the same time being afraid to trust God. We can clearly see because Gideon still goes into the camp. Let me say that again. He, he's still scared, but he still goes into the camp. And he goes into the camp because God commanded it because he knows in the peripherals of his mind that even though I'm afraid to trust God, I can trust God enough to follow what God has commanded. Going into the problem where the mistrust arise, that will bring about the solution, the remedy to the mistrust. We have to move with the unlikely command and know that God not only has us grappled by this unlikely command, but God also gives us an unlikely community. God tells Gideon to go to the source of the problem, go to the enemy's camp. But God didn't tell Gideon to go by himself. No, 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 no. God tells him to take with him his servant, Pua, with him. There is no other mention of this character in the Bible. And for some people, this may mean that he is an insignificant character to the totality of not just the text, but the Holy Writ, the Bible. But if we take a closer look into the context of this text, we see a very significant character in this story. Porah is there with Gideon when God Hears, when Gideon hears God's commandment, Porah is with Gideon when God tells him to go into the camp. He actively listens with Gideon as one of the soldiers relays this dream, and then the other soldier interprets this thing. He was there when Gideon begins to, tr to worship when God's words come to pass, and then he is there when, God, when Gideon rallies the troops for battle. Porah was there the entire time during Gideon's cycle of mistrust and, and trust with God. We begin to see a shift in the insignificance of Puah's voice to the significance of Puah's presence. Puah's role in this story is rooted in the meaning of his name. Porah means branch or covering. Branches support. Coverings protect from the heat of the sun, among other things. Pua is going with Gideon as a support, as another eyewitness to what God is about to do in this moment. Pua was simply being there with Gideon makes him an integral part of this story. Gideon was with Pua, and Pua was with Gideon this entire time, giving him support being the, the, the spirit of presence, the power of presence, walking with him, talking with him, encouraging him, sitting there with him. When these, these soldiers were saying this incoherent nonsense, we'll get to that later, but he was there the entire time. But you know, 
Korah may be too much for you. Maybe, maybe you'll need a, a modern day Pura to understand what I mean. If you doesn't know this by now, I love, I love movies. And so uh, director Peter Jackson blessed us for over three years with the Lord of the Rings movie franchise. Most of us know the tale, but if you don't, there is a bunch of hobbits, and one in particular called Frodo, he gets what's called the One Ring. And he, along with the Fellowship, are headed to Mordor to destroy this ring before the minions of the entire antagonist Sauron can come and get the ring back to him. Just so you know, if he gets the ring, all hell breaks loose. So they don't want this to happen. But in the last movie, Frodo was worn out from this journey. And he actually, he's on the brink of death. They're on this mountain. He's covered in soot. He has entire armies after him. He has Golem after him. He doesn't know what to do. He is exhausted, he is thirsty, he is fatigued. In his mind, this is it. But then Mr. Sam enters the check. You see, Mr. Sam had been with Frodo since the very beginning of this journey. He's seen Frodo at his best, and now he sees him at his worst. Sam knows Frodo has gone this far to complete his mission. And while Sam cannot carry the ring himself because the ring corrupts those who hold it, but he can most certainly carry Frodo to the very top of Mount Doom. Frodo, Sam was Frodo's Pura. He carried Frodo to, to the top of Mount Doom. He covered, he covered Frodo, and he need not to only finish the task, but to remind Frodo to trust in the task that he has accepted. Mr. Sam helps Frodo to see that he has come this far not to not complete the mission. Mr. Sam was covering Frodo, and he had the covering that he needed during the time when Frodo didn't trust himself or his abilities. What are you saying, preacher? Well, I'm saying our mistrust in God can be strengthened when there is a pair of eyes outside of our situation seeing what God is doing in our own lives. Our trust in God can be so low that we need people around us who can walk with us, who can support us, who can cover us long enough to remind us what God has done. They've been in the trenches with us. They've come out of the mud with us. And they have seen God move in ways that we may not even know. And they have been strategically placed to call, our, call to our memory how God has brought you out of the past. We've heard people say they want a spirit of Elijah. We've heard people say they want a spirit of Moses. But I want to know if there's one or two people in the virtual sanctuary that have a spirit of poor, the kind of spirit that reminds people around them of what God has done in the past, that reminds people around them to trust God in spite of the hell that is happening around them, that has been there long enough to see where they were and know that this won't, they won't be at that place too long. God has planted some puas in your life, some eyewitnesses to the precursor of victory. Hallelujah. God has placed people in your life, and, and they're going to remind you of how God moved when your trust was shaky. There's some pua family members that are going to support you and cover you when you go through life's rough patches. There are some puas who have been with you long enough to remind you that God 
is enough. God has sent a poor to remind you that God will never leave you nor forsake you. God has sent a poor to walk with you while you're in the valley of death. God has sent a poor next to you to enter into the gates of thanksgiving and into the courts with praise. God has sent a poor to remind you that I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's children begging for bread. God has sent a poor that has walked with you long enough to remind you to trust God in the process. Come on, you Samuel Dewar, Proctor, Thulis, Geology students. Pua was right there doing the unlikely command. Pua is your unlikely community. And finally, Pua is with you when God has us listening to an unlikely conversation. In these final verses, we see Gideon and Pua in the enemy's camp, which is probably an outpost outside of the main military camp. It is there where they eavesdrop on a conversation between two soldiers. One of the soldiers is telling the other soldier about this dream that he had where he sees a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell. And not only did it fall, it turned upside down and the tent collapsed. Almost immediately after this soldier says the dream, his comrade interprets, this is none other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hands, God has given Midian and all the armies. Now, I don't know about you, virtual sanctuary, but this dream nor this interpretation makes sense. It makes no sense at all whatsoever. And if I'm going to be honest, it sounds like that the dream and the interpretation was a result of someone, them soldiers, getting a hold of that good stuff and they've been elevated to the, to the fifth heaven. Let me say that one more time. They got a, they got a hell of some good weed, that kush. That OG Kush. Say amen, somebody. In an unlikely situation, they're making they're saying stuff that makes no sense. There is no correlation between this dream and Gideon. But God uses incoherent nonsense to show Gideon that you can trust me despite of your fear, because I can use the most unlikely people to show you I got you. God has a funny way of, of using our enemies to get us to trust God more. It's strange. It's really strange. It's even countercultural of God to use your enemies to show you that not only can you trust God, but you can put a praise on it afterwards. The, the, the enemy's conversation is what seals the deal for, for Gideon. You see, he falls down and worships God right in front of Pua, his homeboy, and goes right back into the camp and says, look, y'all, God has done this. God has said this to some unlikely people, so get up, get your weapons, let's go, because the victory is already ours. God used a dream from Gideon's enemies in order to show Gideon that God is in complete and utter control of the situation. This story is telling us that God has complete and utter control of your situation. The good news here is that 
What the enemy thinks they're using to cause chaos in your life, to give you headache, heartburn, and heartache. What the enemy thinks their plan of destruction is succeeding, but you just wait a little while. You just sit at the door a little while because God is going to let you eavesdrop on their plan. And what they meant for evil, best believe, will bring about a praise in you because God knows how we are. Sometimes we're just stubborn and hard-headed. Sometimes we need to hear God's truth from another source. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. You've told your child not to do something time after time after time after time again. And for whatever reason, it still doesn't go through. But let someone else tell them. Let their friends tell them. Let a trusted mentor tell them, and all of a sudden it clicks. God has been showing and telling us that we can trust God time after time after time again. But God, thank God for being a patient God. He says, no worries. I will use this incoherent word of your enemies that will make sense to you, but not to them, that will bring out a praise in you so you can trust me despite of your fear. Sometimes, y'all, the enemy will be a better blessing to us than the hell that they're trying to put us in. Let me say that one more time. Sometimes the enemy's words will be a better blessing than the entire hell that they're trying to put us in. We just need to listen to the unlikely command. We need to listen to this unlikely conversation. Now, before I close, I want to share with you this tidbit of knowledge that comes from my six-year-old nephew, Chase. Hi, Chase. You're probably seeing this. I told your mom, so what's up? When my daughter would cry, I sang this song to her that I made up, and it goes, it's okay, it's all right, it's okay, it'll be all right, it's okay, it's all right, it will be all right, and I would just sing that over and over again until she calms down. Well... One day, while my family was visiting us here in Charlotte, my nephew heard me say this song a couple times. But when he started to participate, he changed the words of the song to, it's okay, be all right. It's okay, be all right. He would just say that over and over and over again. But it got the same effect, so I didn't really bother correcting him. But Julian, then my father died. And one day a few weeks ago, I was holding my daughter, crying in tears because I lost this great man of God. Scratch that, I lost my father. And so she's cranky. I'm heartbroken. Cranky plus heartbroken equals both of us crying. But then my nephew comes and starts singing what he usually does to my niece. It's okay be all right, it's okay, be all right. But then y'all, this time when he said it, something stirred in me. And the result of it, my my daughter and I began to feel all right. Then I, I realized, I realized something, Mitch, that God just stepped into the mind of a six year old and preached a four letter sermon to me. It's okay, be all right. It was an unlikely command from an unlikely community and an unlikely conversation. My nephew and I have stopped by today just to declare over you, it's okay, be all right. Because sometimes it's hard to trust God, but it's okay, be all right. I know it doesn't look good right now, but it's okay, 
be all right. We can be all right, y'all, because God uses unlikely commands, unlikely community, and unlikely conversations to show us that we can put our trust in God. Let me tell you something, y'all. God used an unlikely bush to call a language impediment into a liberator. God used an unlikely cave for his prophet to hear the still, soft voice of God. God used an unlikely furnace to help a king see that Yahweh was the one true God. Thank God, thank God said in 42 generations that God sent an unlikely man to speak truth to power against the religious establishment. God used an unlikely man to welcome sinners and to ostracize those by the church, y'all. God sent an unlikely man to reshape, reform, and recommit hearts to God to show the world that we can still trust in God. Goodbye, Mayfield. May God bless you real good. But I want to know, is there anybody in here that can trust God even though you're afraid? Can you trust God either when you don't seem like it's going your way? That can trust God even when you're entering the spaces you'd rather not be in? That can trust God because God has proven to you over and over and over and over and over again that God is worthy of your trust. 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 God ain't failed you yet. God ain't failed me yet. God ain't failed me yet. God ain't failed me yet. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And in spite of my fear, and in spite of my circumstances, and in spite of my hurt, and in spite of my pain, that I can still trust God. I can still trust God. I can still trust God. Yeah! 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 Yeah!
Beloved, the good news is that God is not an either-or God. God is a both and God. I can still trust God and still be afraid. If I just remember the unlikely command, remember that God has placed me in unlikely community. And if we just eavesdrop in the unlikely conversation, we will see that God has been with us the entire time, walking with us, talking with us, telling us we are God's own. There may be some of you today who are struggling. Mm, yes. Yes. Mm. Some of you are struggling to trust God and are using that as a barrier to not come into the household of faith, to not come into God's family. But God is telling you, bring your fears to me. If you, if you want to join this family called The Field, we got great news for you. We are not confined by the four walls of the church. We are not like some churches that have turned the building into a prison. No, no, no. We are about that life. We're here for you. We love you. If you are interested, intrigued, on being a part of this family, simply put in the chat, Field Me CLT, someone will come get you, they will love on you, they will pray for you. If you are in need of prayer, just type hashtag prayer because God is not limiting God's self to being in, the, in person because God is everywhere. Don't limit yourself because you're not in Charlotte. Don't limit yourself because you're not in North Carolina. Don't limit yourself because you're not in the United States because the same God here is the same God wherever you are. I'm just so glad that God is faithful. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All, all you need in your hands, God, have provided. Great is
methods our way that shows us that we can still trust you even when we may fear it sometimes so God I just ask that you give us strength give us power but most importantly give us trust so that we can trust in you more and more each day because your faithfulness is great because morning by morning we see new mercies we don't see day old mercies. We don't see week old mercies. We see new mercies every single morning. So God, as we leave this place, never leave our sight. We love you, God. We honor you, God. We worship you, God. And we say all this in your awesome power, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And in that name above every name, that trustworthy name, 
We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you, Field family. God bless you, virtual speech. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Podcast. We pray that the message uplifted, encouraged, and challenged you as you continue to walk with God. If you're looking for a church home, the field is not confined by the four walls of the church. If you wish to become a partner in ministry, but more importantly, a member of this global family, simply click the link in the channel page.